Drunk Dietitians is co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. These dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Their mission is for all humans to believe that they were made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. They are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although these ladies are medical professionals, they are human too. They are not afraid to share their deepest, darkest secrets and how years of their lives were taken by diet culture. They started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join Sammy and Jenna for a casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. This is a solo episode with yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, please give me a follow. And if you don't follow Drunk Dietitians already on Instagram, which I'm sure that you do, um, but if you don't, our handle is Drunk Dietitians. We post so much amazing content on there of just little snippets that you hear on previous episodes. So I feel like that could be a great option for you. If you love this podcast, go on and follow. But today's episode, dun, dun, dun. We're going to get into the Jillian Michaels scandal in the intuitive eating world. And I think it's important that we all just take a really deep breath right now in through the nose, out through the mouth. (sighs) Let's let it out. I can feel my chest tightening as I even say the words Jillian Michaels. Um, But no, this is not going to be a bashing Jillian Michaels episode. That's not what this is about, to be honest, at all. Um, What this is about is when we hear a health professional or fitness professional not only spreading false information, but harmful information about intuitive eating, it is our responsibility to not only call that out, um, but talk about why it's wrong. And that's what we're going to do today because, you know, you've seen me post on social media about it, funny TikTok videos. You've seen um, my colleague and co-host Jenna at Happy Strong Healthy RD on Instagram post about it. Um, And then we've pretty much like reshared every single non-diet medical professional dietitian who's also posted about it and their thoughts on it. So you've seen stuff about it, but I really, I felt like just you know, resharing things and posting a funny TikTok video wasn't enough. Um, I think it's important to dive into why it's wrong, what she's saying, and what is harmful about it. Um, and I, I have my cell phone here where I literally just listened to her video. So I wasted 18 minutes of my life. I believe that's how long her video was. Um, listening to her spread false information about intuitive eating. But, um, what I did is basically anytime she said something that I was like, Oh, triggering or, Oh, no, that's actually wrong. Um, I just wrote it in my phone. So I don't have data in front of me. I don't have a long list of notes. I'm really just going to go through some of the things she said and talk about why it's harmful and why it's not, not right, first of all, but also harmful. And 
so, you know, there might be some things that I say that are triggering and I just want to kind of put out that trigger warning right now that um, her video is also very triggering. So if you're listening to this episode and you say, oh my gosh, I want to go watch the Jillian Michaels video. Um, you don't really need to do that. Like you don't need to go watch it. I don't even recommend that um, because it's so triggering. I'm going to talk about the triggering thing she said here. So it's just like double trigger if you do that. So let's just stay here in this safe place together and talk through it. And that's what we're going to do. This is not edited. I'm just going to kind of go off the cuff and, and we'll dive in together. So the first thing, well, first I'm going to give a little background. So she goes into, I guess she's been getting a lot of questions from her following or her over, I don't even know how many followers she has. I know it's over a million, maybe over 2 million. Um, so she's been getting a lot of questions about intuitive eating. Why? Because it's growing popularity. Why? Because mm, everyone's fed up with diet culture. Why? Because diets are harmful and they don't work. Um, and there's over 120 studies of intuitive eating and counting. So it's starting to pick up traction, right? Um, and so she's been getting a lot of questions and she wanted to give her opinions on intuitive eating. So what she did was go to intuitiveeating.org, which is the official website of Evelyn Triboli and Elise Reich, the authors of the book. And she pulled up their, just, they have like a little blurb on each principle. There are 10 defined principles of intuitive eating. And she read them aloud and basically just said like, I agree with this or like, this is wrong. And I, I just found it honestly comical slash like my blood pressure is rising while I'm even thinking about it. Anyways, let's get back. So she, one of the first things she says out of the gate is she threw out this just arbitrary remark that any person that is a size 16 or bigger is not healthy. Wow. Wow. That's all I have to say to that, but no, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. So that is just pure false. Like there's no backing to what she's saying there because I, for example, work with many, many clients that come in all shapes and sizes of different bodies. And I know a ton of people who are a size 16 or greater that have wonderful lab values, such as cholesterol, blood pressure, you know, blood sugar, all of those things. And I work with many people in smaller bodies, smaller than a size 16, who have increased cholesterol or blood pressure or cancer or whatever it may be. So just putting a blanket statement out there that the size of somebody's body is going to um, determine their health is just pure. Like it's, it's wrong. It's truly not wrong or excuse me. It's truly not right. Oh my gosh. So, so another way, and I actually have a book sitting in front of me that I want to pull out, um, that goes more into weight science, which is, I think what we need to somehow ship to Jillian Michaels. She needs to look at some of the research by Lindo Bacon. They are a researcher, um, one of the leading researchers in weight science, and they are also the author of Health at Every Size and Body Respect. And they talk all about in that book, the true, um, science behind weight and size. And one thing that I'm going to, I'm actually going to read an excerpt from it because I just think it's going to just do such a better job of explaining. Um, so I'm going to do that. So fat plays a substantive role in causing disease. This is a myth 
Okay. So what I just said is a myth. And then here's how we can kind of disprove that and, and walk through that a little bit. Okay. It is true that diseases are more commonly found in heavier people. However, that doesn't mean that weight itself causes disease. Much of the evidence on topic on this topic is based on research, which is a type of research that tracks people over time and examines differences between groups. And while many Epidemiologic studies have shown that larger people are more likely to develop several diseases. It is important to note that epi I cannot say this word for the life of me. Epi epidemiologic research shows association, not cause. So I'm going to give you an example here. Consider the difficulties that arise when we try to assign um, causality in this data. So let's look at less charged association to understand this better. There's a lot of research that shows that bald men have a higher incidence of cardiovascular disease than men with lush heads of hair. So do we look at that data and conclude that baldness causes cardiovascular disease or that hair protects against cardiovascular disease? No. Examination of other research shows us that bald men have higher level of testosterone and that higher level of testosterone increased risk of cardiovascular disease. In other words, testosterone is a confounder that explains the relationship between baldness and CVD or cardiovascular disease. Coming back to the association between weight and disease, there are many traits and behaviors that differ between lighter and heavier weight people that could explain increased disease incidence much more readily than the size of somebody's body. And so we could look at fitness, discrimination, dieting and weight cycling, all of those things increase the risk of someone's disease and that is uncoupled from the size of their body. So I could, I mean, we could do a million episodes on this, but just, I want to get it to everyone that needs to hear this, that a size 16 or above, if that is your pant size, that does not mean that you are unhealthy. That is pure just wrong information. The size of your body does not determine your health. There are so many factors um, uncoupled from the size of your body. Now, another just right out of the gate thing that Jillian Michaels said is that women do not need more than 1600 calories a day. And I, again, I just, I laugh at this information when I hear this, that somebody could even say that. First of all, she has whatever it is, over 2 million followers, and you don't know, you don't know these 2 million people. You don't know that they don't need more than 1,600 calories. And what we do know is that, you know, 1,200 calories is the needs of a two-year-old, 1,400 calorie needs is the, is the calorie needs of a four-year-old. So why would a adult human being, woman, only need 1,600 calories? That's just bullshit. We know that many BMRs or basal metabolic rates for, for women, generally speaking, are anywhere between, let's say, 1,200 to 1,500, 1,600, and those are calorie needs at rest. If you're not moving um, now to even again, when she's opening a video 
about intuitive eating, which is literally all about building trust with your body, not counting numbers, not basing weight off of a size. She's opening the video with telling people that they don't need more than 1600 calories. And if you're a size 16 or above, you're not healthy, which that right there is like, like, like we should just end this episode here. That's how false all of this information is. But that is very, very false. Um, I've worked with women of all different shapes and sizes who need much more than that. Um, and we know that when we look at basal metabolic rates or when we hear the even the number of 1,200 calories, which gets thrown out all the time of a need for a woman, that is usually the lowest basal metabolic rate we'll see, which means your heart, your lungs, your brain, all of your organs that need to function need that amount of calories when you are lying in a bed doing nothing. So if you're breathing, talking, walking, working out, moving your body, you need more, period, like end of discussion. But I don't want to even linger on calories that long because the entire practice of intuitive eating teaches you how to remove the emphasis on external numbers and trust your body again, which clearly Jillian doesn't understand that because that's literally what she started the video with. So, okay. Guys, I just want you to know, like, I'm just gonna give you like a little setting too, so you understand where I am right now. I'm in my childhood room in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm just, my husband and I drove up here for a week and I'm just like laughing because I'm, I'm recording this podcast just in my room from childhood, like just laughing about Jillian Michaels. I wish you could all just be here with me and we could just do this in person. Anyways, let's, let's move on. So, Okay. The one she, she goes to the, um, the one principle is make peace with food. Okay. Oh Lord. She goes, this is, these are her words. These are her words, not mine. When she talks about the unconditional permission to eat, which is like the foundation of intuitive eating and making peace with food. She says, holy balls. Don't do that. Thank you, Jillian. What a great remark. All right. Whew. Um, she, she goes on to say that she doesn't understand the references that are made in intuitive eating because they're so intense and so hostile. Um, and that's ridiculous because diet culture is so intense and so hostile. So when we're talking about intuitive eating, we, we have to, to get to the root of the issue. Um, she used the analogy of if we give ourselves the unconditional permission to eat, that would be the same as giving ourselves the unconditional permission to smoke. Um, no, or and drink alcohol. She also talked about that. We need food to live and to function. We do not need tobacco and alcohol to function. Um, so that analogy is just pure garbage. But what what I want to get back to is this, this idea of the unconditional permission to eat. And, and truly we got to cut Jillian some slack. She's reading this from a diet culture lens. So she, she's, she's going off of what she's interpreting. Right. And I, I find this with a lot of clients, right. Is because if they're disordered or have disordered eating behaviors, which clearly Jillian does, if you know, if this is what she's saying, she thinks that what we're saying is that when you have the unconditional permission to eat is that you should, and we recommend eating pizza, cake, cookies, donuts, ice cream all day long, every day. Don't stop. Just eat until you feel 
like you're going to explode. Okay. Do you have the permission to do that? 100%. Absolutely. And you have to understand that you have unconditional permission to eat, to believe that you are not going to be restricted. But huge, but when we talk about the unconditional permission to eat, that is with attunement. That is the whole idea that with all of the 10 intuitive eating principles is that they intertwine and that yes, you have unconditional permission to eat, but can we listen to how our body feels? So I'm going to use an example of a client of mine um, who struggled with binge eating disorder. And she talks about how she one night had six pints of Ben and Jerry. Okay. I, what Jillian is thinking, and that would be thinking of that in this specific instance that she's thinking that as intuitive eating dietitians, we are promoting, yes, you should eat six, da, 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 whatever, pints of Ben and Jerry. No, that is not what we are promoting. I'm not, I am not promoting my clients to do that. Do they have permission to do that? Absolutely. Eating six pints of Ben and Jerry does not change your moral value as a human being. And that's where with this making peace with food um, principle, so many people hold moral value to food. So if I ask you, let's say you're listening to this and you have some fear foods, maybe it's Ben and Jerry's, maybe it's chocolate, maybe it's pizza, are you a bad human being for eating that food? If you say, no, that doesn't change my value. Like that doesn't change my character, my moral value, any of that. That's awesome. But then if I say to you, okay, but do you feel guilt or shame for eating six pints of Ben and Jerry or for eating pizza or whatever that thing is? And you say, yes, well, we know that guilt is a moral emotion and that's a cognitive dissonance. Your belief system is not matching up with your logic. You're saying, I know I'm not a bad person if I eat X, Y, or Z, but then you're feeling guilt and shame associated. That's a cognitive dissonance. That means you do not have peace with food. And that is something that when we work with clients, we work through that. So when people come to intuitive eating, they've typically dieted for a lot of their life or have followed a lot of food rules. And so Jillian included when she says, holy balls, don't do that. Um, chances are, if we gave Jillian permission to eat, she's thinking of that, that time when she comes off of her dieting or her, her strict food rules where she feels out of control around food. And that's a normal feeling if you've been restricted for a really long time. But as we start to give yourself permission to eat food, and listen to your body with attunement, you'll start to notice that, oh, it doesn't feel really good when I do that. And maybe I could do something differently. Maybe I could try, you know, eating the ice cream and enjoying it. And then when I feel physically full, I can put it away and I can see how I feel because I can, not because I have to. That is dramatically different. Um, and that is where, unfortunately, it looks like Jillian just doesn't understand that principle. Um, and I'd be happy to help if she needs it. So we're here, arms wide open. Um, let's see, what else, what else, what else? Talked about... Oh, okay, so that also is... 
food habituation 101. If you think about food habituation, if you Google food habituation, it's highly studied, right? Is that if there's a food that you're saying I shouldn't eat or I can't eat or I'm not allowed to eat, you're going to eat it. I'm just, I'm not a fortune teller. I'm just, I'm not a psychic. I'm going to tell you, you're going to eat it. You're going to eat a lot of it. And you're going to typically eat a lot of it because what will happen is you're pulling that pendulum back. You're restricting. And then when you finally let yourself eat something, you let, you know, you drop that, that, that rule and you have urgency to eat even more of it because now you're breaking the rule and you're saying, okay, I'm going to eat this. And then as soon as I'm done eating, I'm going to, I, I will never eat it again, right? So that's restriction and binging 101. But when we look at food habituation, which is highly studied, and one of my favorite studies is in college kids that were told for one month, they, if they attended this like seminar, they were to get free unlimited pizza as much as they wanted every night for dinner. And they were like, yes, this is amazing. Loving it. Um, and give it like a week or two. And by the time they got to that, that second week, they were, they wanted nothing to do with pizza. They couldn't even look at pizza anymore. Um, and that, that is the, the research of food habituation. Once we allow ourselves and give ourselves full permission, unconditional permission to eat whatever we want, then we don't binge on it. Then we do, it takes us less amount of that food, um, to, to be satisfied. So that is something that again, is a, is a really big part of that principle and something really, really important to take note of. So I'm not going to get into, there were a few that she like read the principles and she was like, agree, agree, which I was like, great. Okay. She agrees with some of them. So I'm not going to get into the ones that she agreed with because Let's just leave it at a win, the fact that she's agreeing with some of these principles. Um, let's see here. Oh, this was, this was an interesting one. So the principle on feel your fullness. She wrote, you can feel disappointed in yourself, but don't have to beat yourself up. Hmm. Let's sit with this one a little bit. So Okay. First of all, I think it's great that she's saying you don't need to beat yourself up. That's a positive. Um, but she said you, that you can feel disappointed in yourself. So I want you to do me a favor and we're going to take this outside of ourselves for a bit. And we're going to talk about, um, again, we're going to bring it outside of ourselves. So what I mean by that, I want you to imagine if you're talking to your best friend, your life partner, your daughter, your son, your spouse, I don't, whoever it is, someone who's super, 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 super important to you, right? If every time that they ate something that they air quotes shouldn't have, or ate something past a point of fullness where they felt uncomfortable, if you shared with them how disappointed that you were in them for doing that. So let's, you know, let's say I'm talking to my husband and I said, Oh, Luke, I am just so disappointed in you that you would eat that third slice of pizza. Like, I'm really, really disappointed. How do you think my husband would feel if, if every time he ate something he air quotes shouldn't or ate too much of something that I shared my disappointment in him? How do you think that would, you know, how would that sit with him? 
probably not well, right? And so what's really, really important to take note of is that if we allow this disappointment in ourselves, but you don't allow, you would never say that outwardly to your partner or to your son or to your daughter, it is not okay to say it to yourself because that starts to flame that that whole guilt shame spiral is that disappointment and sure she as she said you might not be beating yourself up but if you're constantly disappointed 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 in yourself how is that going to feel right and so we have to start looking at our relationship with food our relationship with fitness our relationship with our body as relationships with loved ones and we would never share disappointment like that with someone we would just you know be able to talk to them maybe this is what i would invite you to do let's say i'm going to go back to my husband's example let's say he ate however many slices of pizza and felt really uncomfortable instead of me saying i'm disappointed in you what if i asked him hmm okay so what i'm hearing you say is that you sound uncomfortable right now and you sound physically unpleasant what do you think maybe we could do differently next time that might feel physically pleasant or that might make you feel better why can't we say that why does it have to be disappointment and that's where our internal dialogue is such a big part of intuitive eating it's truly like the most important part so no disappointment you don't need to feel in yourself if you break a food rule or don't eat the right air quotes right thing or wrong thing or whatever it is um you don't need to feel disappointment in your food choices at all you have permission to just make choices move on from them look at every eating experience as a as an opportunity to learn about your body instead of pass fail because that is not going to serve you so let's go right into then the next principle is um, coping with our emotions with kindness. So this is the emotional eating um, or, or the principle that kind of dives into emotional eating a little bit. Um, she goes into saying with the principle that says, don't eat when you're angry. Weight is hard to keep off due to emotional eating. Um, and then she said she was going to write a book on this. And in my notes, it looks like I wrote in all caps, <laughs> please don't write a book on this. Um, oh Lord. Okay. So, and I don't even truly recall all of the nonsense that was spoken in this one. So I'm just going to speak on the truth about, about this principle. So this entire principle, it, it is meant to normalize eating as a coping mechanism. We are all human beings. We were put on this earth. Um, the first level of comfort for us is either our mother's breast or the bottle. So food is comfort. It will always be comfort. Um, if you think about, you know, breakups, if you're sitting around with your girlfriends eating Ben and Jerry's and maybe that the, the, the ice cream was comforting, or maybe when you were younger, if you you know, fell down and scraped your knee and your family gave you some fresh cookies, you know, out of the oven and that made you feel happy or safe, right? That, that started to culminate that relationship with food and emotional eating or 
food as comfort. So I want you to know that because you're a human being, food is always going to have a sense of comfort. Now with, with intuitive eating specifically, it's important to recognize that emotional eating is normal. It is not bad. There is no moral value. And in the same breath, when we're looking at these other principles of intuitive eating, we want you to feel physically, emotionally pleasant in your body. So if you find that, you know, when you're stressed or when you're angry or whatever it is that you're turning to food and you're eating to a point of feeling physically unpleasant all of the time, we want to think about how can we look at this situation and know it is totally okay you have that permission. So when you start to hear that voice in your head that says, I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be doing this, you can calm that voice down and say, I can do this. This was a coping mechanism that I picked up and it's, it's kept me safe for a lot, of different, um, a lot of different instances in my life. But are there other things that I could do right now in addition to eating, not instead of eating, that could, could honor my body? And so a way my therapist used this um, example in our group coaching, she said the pause, process, postpone method. So when you feel emotional eating coming on, can we take a pause? Can we take a big deep breath, right? What am I feeling right now? What emotion am I feeling? What do I need? Process that, right? That's processing. What am I feeling? What do I need? and postpone before we go to eating, even though we know that eating is a viable option, we're more than welcome to do it, there's no guilt, there's no shame, you have permission to emotionally eat, is there something else that may feel good for you? Breathing exercises, maybe change of environment, maybe going out to your your lanai or your deck or your patio or your front porch or going outside and just letting the sun hit your skin or, you know, maybe it is calling a friend for support. You know, maybe it's messaging your dietitian. We have, when we work with clients, they have access to us 24 seven, like a text message platform. So maybe it's messaging your support system. Um, is there something that you can do before you get into the eating experience that's going to feel physically pleasant. And then if you try that and it doesn't work and the coping mechanism, it's not enough. The food is what we need to go to. Then we go to food and we, and we do it. And we know that that has no moral value, but this is such an important piece that emotional eating has no moral value. You are not a bad person. If you do it, um, it is learning that we can normalize this behavior and continue to build other coping mechanisms, other tools in your toolbox. <laughs> I'm like laughing more on my notes than I am even her video at this point. Um, so the respect the body principle, she breezed right over that one and said that she agreed with it. And I just wrote, mm, what in all caps with a bunch of question marks. And the reason I did that is because the respect your body principle is the idea of taking care of your body, regardless of the size of it, honoring it, being kind to it. Um, meanwhile, she opened the video saying that if you're not a size 16, that you're not healthy, which is just a completely fat phobic topic um, or, or thing to say. So 
I just didn't understand how she agreed with that because that's like just completely opposite of how she opened the video. So I just, that was just more question for her, I guess. Um, and then of course, as we get into principle number nine, which is movement, feel the difference. So with intuitive eating, the whole idea is finding, you know, movement practices that feel good. Walking, yoga, maybe it is intense lifting. If you just like love to put Lizzo on and just like, go crazy and like do these like amazing lifting routines. Like that's great. Um, you know, whatever that thing is for you, right? That's great. So she agreed, but big, but then went on to make this a sales pitch that movements can be quick and can change your body to get results and will then better yourself image, which goes back to why I had question marks with the respect your body um, piece, because basically what she's saying is that if you work out really intense, you'll get quick results, which will give you a smaller body, which then will make you more confident in yourself. When we know that your body image has more to do with your brain than your physical body. So if we go back to bringing this outside of ourselves again, imagine, um, Imagine that every day I saw my husband, I said to him, Ugh, I really, really wish that you were like 20 pounds lighter, right? Every single morning, let's say I said this to him. How do you think my husband would feel about his body image? Do you think he would feel loved and respected by me? And then if one day, let's say months later, I just woke up and I looked at my husband, I said, you know what? Never mind. I love your body. Do you think you would feel loved and respected by me and believe me in that instance? No, absolutely not. So body image actually has to do more with our brain and our mindset and our, the psychology of, again, going back to the body respect principle, which I just don't think she understands because if she's saying that your self image and your confidence is tied to the size of your body, well, that's just not true. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my thought on her principle number nine. And for any of you who need resources on personal trainers that are not fat phobic and that will love you, um, no matter what size your body is and will help you enjoy fitness again. Um, there are many amazing people doing that. And one of our favorites, um, is Tally Rye, who we actually got on this podcast previously. So if you go back to our episode with Tally Rye, she has the Train Happy podcast. She has the book Train Happy. She's all about intuitive fitness. And then also Lauren, I don't want to butcher her last name. I believe it's Lavelle or Lavelle Fitness. Um, she is on Instagram. She is an amazing personal trainer who is all about just body positivity and movement that feels good for your body. You do not have to listen to a trainer that tells you, sure, I want you to enjoy movement, but you also have to make your body smaller and that'll also give you more confidence. Like, no, absolutely not. Like cancel that shit. Like no way. Um, and then lastly, um, <laughs> okay. Last one here. We're getting to principle number 10 that she did not agree with, which was honor your health with gentle nutrition, right? Which is the principle on nutrition. And she said that, she said, I don't understand why that's there because that's the complete opposite um, or the direct opposition to unconditional permission to eat. So again, when she's saying that she has no, she doesn't have an understanding of what intuitive eating is. Um, 
you can have an unconditional permission to eat and still want to drink more water because it feels good. You can have an unconditional permission to eat and want to eat a salad because it's crispy and crunchy and refreshing and it feels good. You can have unconditional permission to eat and still say no to brownies when they're offered to you because you just don't want a fucking brownie. Um, and this is where there's just such a huge misunderstanding of what intuitive eating is um, when she was going through this. And then last but not least, to close it all out, she goes on a rant and ends with, I get it. I get it. I get intuitive eating. I get it. No, you don't. Um, and then turns it into a sales pitch um, for all of her diet plans and workout plans and says that she has a million different diet plans and a million different workout plans because it's individualized and she wants it to work for you. Hmm, honey, if you've had to create a million different plans and it's still not working, probably because it doesn't work. We know that diets don't work. We know that two thirds of dieters will gain back more weight than they originally lose. At the end of the day, this is not to bash Jillian Michaels. If anything, I have empathy for her because it's very clear that she does not understand intuitive eating. But I also have the responsibility to call her out with kindness and call her into a conversation because she's spreading extremely harmful and false information about intuitive eating, which helps so many people that I've seen one-on-one -on -one group settings all over on our social media platforms, heal their relationship with food, their body, improve their health, and help them build that trust with their body again. So Jillian Michaels, unfortunately, you do not get it. And if you do want to get it, I'm sure myself or many other dietitians trained in intuitive eating would be happy to have a conversation with you so you can get it. Um, so that you can stay away from spreading harmful messages and so that anybody who hears these messages from you will not be turned off by intuitive eating and can truly understand what it is. So if you are looking for more information on intuitive eating, intuitiveeating.org, which is the official website, has wonderful, wonderful information. If you just want the 10 principles and you're like, you know what? I don't even know what the 10 principles are. If you go to findfoodfreedom.net, um, you will see we have a free find food freedom guide that has the 10 intuitive eating principles. It, it, they'll send them right to your inbox. It has some journaling prompts so you can learn more. Um, so happy to, to just kind of gift that to you for free so you can see that there. But please know that if you're looking for intuitive eating information, you can go to a dietitian like myself or the thousands that are out there that are trained in intuitive eating. You do not need to go to a, a fitness professional who's never heard of it, just Google searched it, and then is just blatantly giving her false opinion on the internet. If you want someone to do your taxes, you go to an accountant. If you want someone to fix your car, you go to a mechanic. If you want someone to help you with intuitive eating, we're here to help. But please, please, please seek out a professional who can help you. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of Drunk Dietitians. These solo episodes are going to be more popular because we're just putting out 
buyers all over the world um, with false information. So if you liked this episode, please give us feedback. Please rate and review our podcast. Please share this with a friend who needs to hear it. We are so thankful for your time. We're so thankful that you listen to this podcast and we're just thankful for you. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there, and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.